Hello, friends. This is Nathan Powell. I co-host a brand new podcast called Dynasty Double Take with Dan Sanyo. We join the DLF family of podcasts with unique Dynasty arguments in a short 10 to 12 minute format. Dan and I love to debate Dynasty, and we hope you enjoy our banter as we discuss topics like trade offers, coaching, draft capital, and much, much more. Unless I hate myself. You're at the Dynasty Crossroads that film and analytics create. The Dynasty Crossroads that film and analytics create. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape. Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name's Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. I'm here as always with Jake Anderson at Jake Anderson FF on Twitter. Uh, we're here to talk about one player at a time from two different perspectives. I talk about them from a metrics point of view, and Jake talks about them from a film point of view. Uh, but we try to reach some sort of consensus and at least have an interesting discussion from those two different perspectives uh, to try and help uh, everyone understand both the player's short-term and long-term both value in Dynasty and season-long and what we can expect from them, um, both in the weeks to come and in the years to come, as best we can, anyway. Thanks for joining us here at the Crossroads. Um Hopefully you've already checked out our Twitter handle, at Dino Crossroads, where we post a poll every week um, asking who we should uh, discuss on each week's episode. This week, I believe the winner of the poll was Trey Quinn, Washington wide receiver from SMU and LSU, for that matter. Um, Am I right, Jake? Yeah, that's correct. Great. Awesome. Um, And that's our conversation on Trey Quinn, really. So uh, join us again next week um, when we'll be discussing someone else. I mean, he he was Mr. Irrelevant, so that that would make sense. That is true. I remember that. Yeah, he's the last pick in the draft. I I haven't noticed that myself. Um, I know. How are you doing this week, Jake, anyway? No, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. You know, uh, Thanksgiving has passed, and... The uh, holiday season, Christmas, is is coming up quick, and it'll be here before we know it. But uh, do you like this time of year, Peter? I love this time of year. It's actually um, my favorite time of year, although I do normally like for fall to stick around or even turn up. Yes. Um, I still like this transition as well. I like the winter. It's a little harsher, frankly, um, at least where I live in Kentucky, than uh, I certainly grew up uh, used to. Um, but I still just like this time of year. It's my favorite time of year to run. Um, and even get out the house, even though, you know, like I say, it's so harsh around here that, uh, from what I'm used to, that I'm wearing more clothes, pretty much all the clothes I own. I'm, I'm sitting here in every single piece of clothes I own, even inside. Um, <laughs> I, I like it though. I like, um, getting to start up the stove. We've got a stove that can heat the whole house basically. Um, uh, and, uh, I get to go outside and cut wood, make myself feel like a real man for a little while. Grow some inside. chest hair. Yeah, I basically like everything about this. Now, season. are you a uh, are you a shoveler or a snowblower? Uh, shoveler, very much, very nice. much a shoveler. Nice. Yeah, uh, yeah. Attaboy. Clear the driveways, clear the paths. Um, it's not not gotten to the point where we actually have to shovel yet. It's mostly not sticking, but uh, yeah. it has gotten cold enough. They've called off school a few times, but uh, uh, other than that, no, no no shoveling to be done. Um, but no, um, how about yourself? Is the weather holding up for you? Are you able to get in and out your car without the aid of a shovel? Yeah, we haven't had snow here in New York yet. Um, you know, it's been in the low 40s, windy, cold, but uh, 
No snow yet, but I have been looking into snowblowers because I do have a really bad back. And uh, Oh, the excuses. Well, listen, <laughs> we get a little bit more snow up here in the northeast than you do in Kentucky. So Excuses. Um, no, I mean, I, I mow my own lawn. I like to do my own you know, yard work and everything. So uh, it'd be a tough decision, but I've thought about it because... It is shoveling is probably the, it's a great exercise, but it is really rough on your back. Right? Yeah, it is. It, it, it's uh, it's it's a hard activity. I know. Uh, do you want to talk about Trey Quinn, or should we just keep talking about the weather? Because that's actually I'm kind of enjoying our our preamble here. But uh, I am yeah. too. Yeah. I, I suppose if is... if we're gonna fit this under 30 minutes, it, it might even say that we don't have a lot to say about Trey Quinn. But I don't want to you know damper my enthusiasm here because. I do like Trey Quinn a lot, and uh, he was a guy that was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. He went to LSU and just didn't do anything there for for two years, Um, and then he took a year off and transferred to SMU. He was the sidekick there with uh, Cortland Sutton, or I should say Cortland Sutton was his sidekick because he did outproduce him there at SMU. Um, Very much so. (laughs) Very much so. He was a super high-volume guy there, uh, led the FBS in catches last year, with 114 uh, you know he was a guy that I took in like the last round of rookie drafts or even he was not taken in a lot of rookie drafts and I was claiming him after that and you know how rosters go I just he didn't make my rosters and uh, I have zero shares right now and I'm a little bit sad about that just because I did like him quite a bit and uh, so I'm a little bit sad but we can break you know his tape down a little bit and his outlook uh, Trey Quinn is not an extremely flashy, sexy kind of player. Um, he's kind of a somewhat bigger slot receiver. He's not particularly tall. He's 5'11", but he is he does have some build to him. He's 200 pounds. Um, like I said, he, his tape doesn't really flash at you. He doesn't do anything that, that wows you by any means, but he does everything really well. Um, he's a good route runner. He's got good hands. Uh, can find the soft spot in zones, uh, sets up defenders really well, is good in contested situations, uh, good at, good after the catch, um, can even break some tackles. He, he's laid down some pretty nasty stiff arms at SMU. Um, and just a reliable target for, for a quarterback. And we've seen Jamison Crowder really be injured and just not doing anything for Washington this year. And Washington needs weapons. You know, we we finally seen Jordan Reed come on a little bit lately, um, but they need some people to throw the ball to. So Trey Quinn is somebody that I wish I could have on my roster, and of course I don't have any Fab left, and he wasn't available on many Dynasty rosters, but he was on a few, and I just didn't have the ammunition. Uh, and it's funny that you know I always say that you know spend your your fab because why not but this last you know a few weeks at the end of this season there's been some guys that have been coming out that kind of have a testament to you know maybe saving that that makes me kind of rethink of me just blowing my fab on really nothing just for the fun of it all season long but um so again he's a guy that i don't have i actually i picked him up in sfb today um just because I, my wide receivers are pretty bad and uh, I say, why not? Um, so I don't know if he's on a redraft really uh, radar. You know, SFB is pretty deep roster, so you can kind of pick up some guys that, you know, hit it, they might not hit. 
Um, so I don't know. I like him a good amount. Um, do you have? Don't sound qu- too enthusiastic. I, I mean, I, there's only you only can be so enthusiastic. But I guess I guess the really reason why he's my favorite player in the NFL now is <laughs> that he did the scarn dance from The Office, Michael Scott's scarn dance. I'm sure everyone saw that. Um, you know, it blew up on Twitter and social media platforms. And, uh, you know, when I saw it, I was just like, okay, I this guy's my favorite player in the league. I'm a big Office fan. And, uh, yeah, so I kind of want to just go acquire him everywhere for the fun of it. But I think it's, it's, it's sadly too late because he's flashed now. And all of a sudden, you know, people aren't going to want to get rid of him for what he's probably <laughs> realistically worth. Um, so I'm a little bit sad. Honestly, I, and that's probably where the lack of enthusiasm is here because if I own more shares, I'd probably be a little bit more hyped up about it. Yeah, I was going to say um, from the start, I, I, I always try and come off uh, cool, uh, frankly. <laughs> so I, I'm playing it cool, but um, there's lots of stuff to like about Trey Quinn. Um, so I, I don't mean to bring it down like Jake. Frankly, I'm trying. You not are to my jake. wet blanket. Let's go. I, I'm trying not to jake this up too bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, where to start? And the reason I've got kind of a tone is because it's the end of the season. We're more interested in if we're in the playoffs and who's going to win it for us. And you know, Colt McCoy's leading wide receiver is Josh Dotson. And even if he was Colt McCoy's favorite wide receiver, it's actually Jordan Reed, by the way. Um, then that's not. That's just not a high-powered statement. It's not something you want to plug in and you think it's going to win you a week. Um, but we have also seen the rise over the last three years of the slot uh, receiver. To, it's a bad term, but um, the receiver who frankly plays most of his reps, uh, most of his snaps in the slot and gets a lower dot target. That's been a thing that's been growing for the last few years, and it's something that's definitely blown up here in 2018 as well. Whereas the slot's providing the most value to our favorite wide receivers when they tuck inside, and they're just getting better matchups and producing better points. So, um, shouldn't shouldn't slam a player who profiles as a slot receiver, especially since most people will tell you that wide receivers profile like slot receivers are actually just talking out their ass. Just to, just to lay it out for real, um, that's all anyone could describe Christian Kirk as, and they were just talking through their ass. Anyone who told you that was doing lazy ass talking through their ass and a lot of my friends said that a lot of people that i really respect in this could only see a slot receiver and um, with christian kirk so i don't uh, i mean i in no way uh think of that as a detriment but traquan smith and i actually wrote him up for dlf that's how i profiled him i said he looks like a wide receiver no matter how hard i dig into his numbers and um, that has to follow a wes welker type architect to be fantasy relevant and um, I, I think the main point here is that with the changing nature of the NFL right now, it looks like that's not at the time I wrote it up as uh, I called it a narrow path to tread or a narrow needle to, to thread. Cause I like rhymes. Um, <laughs> because it's just, it's not something that happens often. And it normally only happens on the Patriots. But like I say, um, what, what do you think Jake before, I haven't broken him down much, but what do you think about the idea that maybe he's being undervalued because we're too used to thinking of players that play inside as less valuable when that really hasn't that that's not really the case anymore? Am I off base on that, or do you have any? I think I think people are really coming around to understanding how 
valuable slot receivers can be. And a lot of times it's not only because they can be valuable in the slot, but like you said, you just see so much better matchups and you have a lot of more field to use, uh, especially with a, you know just an intelligent wide receiver that has good field awareness and, and can sit in zones and, and find open spaces. Um, you know, they can make a lot of hay and it's, it, it really is like a safety blanket for the, for quarterbacks. So I think people are starting to come around, um, more than they used to, at least about what, what slot receivers are and how valuable they are. Yeah. Um, I think it comes down to, um, you got to evaluate the player, not the situation, not the team, not the future potential you think is in that role. Um, volume's important. And so thinking about whether a, a, an offensive coordinator can scheme a player into good situations. I mean, all of that is relevant, but it's much more relevant in DFS than when you're playing a long game with season long, let alone dynasty. And so you just stick to the player. Is this player good enough at doing whatever role he does get in the NFL to be fantasy relevant? And now to break into Traquan Smith a little bit, part of my problem with him was that he just he basically didn't play for the most important years. We've got a Calvin Ridley problem with Traquan Smith, in that he only played five games in his second year with SMU. Oh, sorry, LSU. A lot of acronyms in this story. Um, in 2015, he only played five games, got five receptions for 83 yards. In 2014, he got nine games with only 17 receptions and it's not till he took that year off and transferred over to SMU that he finally gets an opportunity now I think most people build narratives around players in these situations and I just I, I'm not being dismissive I'm being actively aggressively against doing that you can't make a story like I said about Calvin Ridley to say oh well this is why and therefore it doesn't matter all the players who have done that have worked hard, played well. I mean, you're dismissing an awful lot of hardworking, good players that have done the same thing. If you think there's one particular narrative that you can arbitrate to be uh, to forgive the, um, or ignore the fact that we don't have the most valuable information on them um, in those early years. So the narrative, I don't care about why. I don't care that... in at LSU, maybe he was unable to get an opportunity for reasons that have nothing to do with his talent. I just have to say that when he had when he had no significant advantage in terms of his physical build, in terms of his knowledge of the playbook, the team did found no value in trying to get him the ball. Now that doesn't necessarily mean he's bad. Plenty of players with a later breakout age do well in the NFL. Michael Thomas being the pinnacle example. They're just more outlierish than they are common. So that having been said, because uh, especially at the time when I wrote the article about Traquan Smith, I was honestly trying to try and find something else I could lay my hat on for players to try and find the Michael Thomases of that group. Is there something else I can look for when they simply don't get volume early um, that might separate out the ones that didn't deserve volume from the ones who... Uh, frankly were limited for reasons outside of their own talent which is I think what happened with Michael Thomas um, I didn't come away with anything great what I did start to look at though is in that year how well are they performing in the context in the context of their offense um, so I looked at players like Cole Beasley and Wells Welker who didn't play a lot of wide receiver in college to be fair um, and other types of players that broke out late including Michael Thomas including AJ Green frankly um, and something that has almost no signal but had more signal than anything else was whether they were gaining more yards per target 
compared to the other players on their team. So that might might be showing a distant a distance between them and what other players in the exact same situation are capable of doing. That's the best thing I've come up with so far. And Trey, uh, I say Trey Quan Smith, uh, and Trey Quinn, um, did outpace his uh, other players, including Cortland Sutton, who I'm getting increasingly worried about. We have to do a, 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 a second look at uh, Cortland Sutton this off season, I think, Jake. Um, but he did outpace even Cortland Sutton, but it was by 0.2 yards per target. It's not a great difference. It's like 2% difference, which 2% ranked as significant, but when you look at the raw number of 0.2 yards extra per target, that's not saying he's providing a lot of extra value. I was also really worried that he got 40% of the team's targets or receptions and only 32% of the team's yards. Now, some of that could be accounted for by where he's getting those targets, but having as much, as much tape as I could stand, because that's Jake's world, not mine, um, on him, I, I didn't see a lot of... He wasn't just catching dump-offs. And so he did show a lot of ability to... Uh, make space for himself and set up defenders actually so he was getting a lot of yards after the catch as well and so the fact he was just getting so many receptions providing 10 percent fewer yards than he was getting receptions that's that's actually something that shows some signal in a negative sense that's, that can often be a negative thing and so where i came out on trey trey quinn and um, was simply to say that he's got to walk a very narrow path now, um, I've been talking for a while, so I'm going to throw it over to you to talk about what path he can possibly walk in Washington to make him fantasy relevant or not fantasy relevant before I, I, I start talking about that a little more. Because you do the polite thing where you sit there and listen, and I'll just keep going. And we know that's not good. So what do you think about in Washington? He's a rookie. He's there for a while. They just lost their franchise quarterback, um, <laughs> such, such as it is. Um, in steps Colt McCoy. Obviously, in the immediate term, I don't think we're expecting much, but do you think there's a path he can walk to, you know, top 24 value for Dynasty? Oh, boy. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I well, like, that's that's I like, Jake on Washington. <laughs> I, I, like, I like Trey Quinn a lot, but again, we're talking about a low-passing volume offense with a backup quarterback and a guy that, you know, He's how many targets is he going to get? He's had five targets the last two weeks. Five targets is great, and he's five got targets a, a game to be fair. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, five targets a game, and he's got a ninety percent catch rate, which is great, but a super small sample size. But for a slot receiver, for for what kind of player he is, he's going to need a lot more volume than that to be consistently viable in in fantasy. I mean, if he doesn't get a touchdown, you're looking at eight points and. I guess there's people with worse floors out there, um, but again, we're to, to get to a top twenty-four wide receiver. I just I don't think that's in the cards whatsoever. Um, what the hell? I I just disagree with you because that that's more fun for me. Um, <laughs> no, look in Washington, the most valuable player for fantasy is Jordan Reed, and if you think different, then you're wrong. <laughs> Jordan Reed's the most valuable player, and he's been healthy this year because injury prone isn't a thing. Even for Jordan Reed, and that that's a big statement to make at this point. Um, but he's been healthy this year, and he's the one that's actually leading the team in opportunity over the last three weeks. And um, With Alex Smith in, he's been constantly hindered by where he's getting the targets. But 
I'm not. This isn't a Jordan Reed podcast. So, um, Traquan Smith is actually third in opportunity. Um, it ranks. He ranks fifty third in targets per game over the last three weeks. He ranks sixty um, eighth in target share over the last three weeks. Not, neither of those are particularly good numbers, but they actually compare fairly well to our old friend Cortland Sutton and some other rookie wide receivers are a lot more excited about. So he's third on the team and he's outside the top fifty in opportunity for the position. Um, even since he's got back on the team. But his catch rate is incredibly high, just like like you just said, which is a feature of his uh, last year in college as well. He had a, like an exponentially larger um, grade in terms of catch rate uh, compared to wide receivers for, well, frankly, for many period. He seems to have a knack for catching the ball, if nothing else. And if that's translating to the NFL, there is some potential here that his other skills can translate to the NFL as well. Now, we not only just have a two-game sample size, but we have a two-game sample size with Colt McCoy. But this team, I hope, is realizing it has to change. Like, I don't know, I don't think they can get out the Alex Smith contract. But the... If the team is going to be better, then it has to change. And if it changes, the two most interesting pieces are Jordan Reed and Traquan Smith. I would Traquan Traquan. Sorry, I would value him over Josh Doxson. I'd value him over you know Paul Richardson or even Chris Thompson, um, for reasons we can discuss if you want. But I have particular ideas about Chris Thompson and his type that type of player. But so that might be going to uh, that that might go too long for a thirty minute podcast on uh, Trey Quinn, but um, I do think he's the most interesting wide receiver. Oh, there's on this no team. doubt about um, that. That might not be saying a lot, <laughs> but uh, I think it means he is definitely worth a third round pick in yes. a dynasty league. He is worth adding into a trade if you can get him. Now, like you say, that might not be possible now where he's gotten the field and done something okay. And the potential for that to completely disappear, like all late breakout players, is incredibly high. <laughs> but if I'm taking shots with my third round picks and I'm out and I'm looking for a trade, I don't mind paying up for a player whose values jumped if I think there is decent a decent reason to think that he could be a focal point. Um, now... Jameson Crowder is uh, the spoiler here. Um, I have heard people suggest that Washington might be done with him. He's never finished inside the top um, 30 wide receivers while while he's been in the league. He's finished 53rd, 31, and 33, which was always a big red flag, considering he had a lot more hype than that every year um, since forever. So he might actually be the buy um, because he's got a similar similar great production um, to Traquan Smith, but he did it during the most valuable years to tell us whether it's his talent or whether it's his situation. And so Jamison Crowder might actually be the buy, but um, I mean, neither are probably costing you too much, and we're probably sick of trying to wait for Jamison Crowder. So, in that way, um, yeah, I, I'm fine with Traquan Smith. I think there's a lot of potential. Traquan. Traquan. I, have a, I do have a question for you, though. So, you so you said he had I don't I can't remember what you said it was what like ten percent or whatever he was doing with his targets right so zero point two yards more per target than everyone else on the team no not not the not the amount of targets but his um, he wasn't as efficient capitalized on his targets with yardage oh yeah he got um he was catching thirty two percent of the team's yards and got forty so percent of the receptions how would you explain that. 
Okay. I couldn't. Okay. I was just curious if you if you had like a reasoning, if you think that's his athleticism or because I, I agree his he wasn't getting just dump offs by the line of scrimmage. Yeah, the, the, like I said, that's not what I saw either. And where we don't have ADOT data for college, or I, I couldn't find it anyway, that um, it, it was harder to explain in that way. But it definitely didn't seem like that's what he was doing. It's something I tested, like the same way I tested Breakout Age, on the same sample size of going all the way to... Um, but in that four-year sample, I found a very small correlation between that and the type of success they see in the NFL. So getting more yards than you get receptions seems to indicate, or a higher percentage of yards to your team than you get receptions seems to indicate that you are a great producer for that team. But the signal's so small, and there are so many different ways those two numbers can be created. And so I just simply didn't have enough data to really test it out to where I could try and explain it. Um, and that's why I'm not like holding it over Trey Quinn Smith's head. There are plenty of receivers that have done well in the NFL with that kind of differential. Who are, who are some other players that suffered from that? That's a good question. I don't have that sheet up right now. I can't. I I can't. No, I can't mention like for the article. I I listed them out. Cole Beasley, Jarvis Landry, Jamison Crowder, Albert Wilson. All these players offered similar production profiles to um, in college. In uh, college, Trey mean, Quinn. Right? Yeah. And with yeah. all those, I mean, all those guys were high volume. Yeah, it's around high high producers and yards, but they had a. a a discrepancy in their um, yards compared to their targets, yeah. Interesting. I wonder if it's just like you get that many targets and that many receptions. I don't yeah, know. yeah. It, like, I don't it know. could very well be that. And I'm, like I say, I'm not saying that yeah. means he I'm can't. Just trying like to, I would with breakout age. Yeah, I'm but, just um, trying to wrap my mind around how that correlates. You're getting a lot of targets without producing yards at some point. Um, whether it's whether it's low A dot or whether it's um, ineffective, and the weird thing about Traquan Smith is where his catch rate was right, so great. Right. It, and until they track college stats the same way, and it would be really difficult. Like it would be a really expensive endeavor to track college stats the way we track NFL stats, and the money's simply not there. And I'm not going to sit here and watch ten years worth of college games and count every target and every and try to figure out every um, depth of target either. Um, but that's the type of data I'd need to really try to understand that better. All I can say right now is it's something I noticed. Um, okay. And like you say, it is a mystery. That's weird. And so I don't know what I can do with that, but I can remember it and try and see if I see something like that in his NFL production. So that all you all you see is that that's a that's a negative point that you've correlated with other players that have that same statistic. I think it could be okay. a negative point, but I can't prove it. Okay. <laughs> it's just something I note for now. Okay. And like I said, everything I do is basically just telling people what I found while I was reaching, searching it for myself. Sure. If, if I can have a hard opinion on it, like breakout age matters, um, then I would. But uh, I'm just sharing it because I found it interesting. It's something I want to keep my eye on from in the future and also Trey, Smith. Oh, shit. Trey <laughs> Quinn's future as well. <laughs> Jake, get his name right. This is ridiculous. These are at least. I mean, he has two separate names here. I think you called him Trey Quinn Smith once. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> it might have to be the title of the episode, just to Trey confuse Quinn. people. Trey Quinn Smith. Uh, yeah. This this is going downhill fast. Jake, I've ruined it. No, it's hard. <laughs> it's a it's a tongue twister for sure. So we think his his value is probably in that third round range. I don't think you're going to get him for that. No, that's, like you said, I mean, if you're 
<laughs> and if you've done anything in the NFL, you're pretty much worth a third. So, <laughs> I mean, so why yeah, that's why basically I, saying he's trade-worthy. Sure. So why don't I throw some players that are kind of – I know he's like 238, but that's bound to go up, right? Um, he's now me, draftable. Yeah, let me try to pinpoint some players that I think would be interesting for him. How about uh, Taylor Gabriel? Yeah, Taylor Gabriel's like been like the surprise of this season for me that no one talks about. <laughs> but he's been doing really well. He's with another the guy I picked up a bunch this off season and just I cut him early. You know, I don't know where would you go, Taylor Gabriel? Or... I think I'd I'd take Trey Quinn just because I think his perceived value is higher, and if he flashes, you can probably get. I'm sure you can get a mid-second for him. I mean, I, I bet people would pay up a mid-second. I mean, you saw me and a bunch of people react to MVS, and MVS is, was doing a little right. a little bit more. Um, yeah. But, you know, you see that flash. You see potential. Um, and we don't know about staying power a lot of times with these younger guys, but perceived value is a real thing. And it's not just fooling people that don't pay attention either. It's um, – you know, I, I, a lot of people are like me that get emotional about certain players and they like to go get those guys and, and people will overpay for that. So um, definitely I'd take Trey, Trey Quinn there. How about uh, Riley Bymaster's favorite player, uh, Dante Moncrief? Yeah, God damn! I wish Dante Moncrief's career would straighten out. Dante Moncrief. I can't get names right today. Just names in general is my problem. Uh, yeah, he's an age eighteen breakout. You know, he's the yeah. he's the one. He's like the he's like the brother we don't talk about. Mm-hmm. I guess I have to take Moncrief there, okay. and I'd take Gabriel. I don't think I answered the question, okay. but I'd take Gabriel as well. You would definitely take David Moore, right? Yes. Okay. Um, how about uh, how about Janu Smith? I take Janu. Trey Quino. I mean, and I'm jumping up a decent amount. I mean, I've. I've talked some guys in like the one, right, one sixty range, and, and a little. It's bit not higher, looking so well, in a coin toss. I'm probably gonna, just going to lean the player I know a little less about, hoping there's more upside there. I guess. So we think he's probably worth a third, but you're probably going to have to pay a late second to get him. Yeah, I guess. So. Are those players late seconds now? Uh, mid to late second, I think. That's a really hard part about value, because you're not wrong at all. I mean, you can't value him less than that, but, you know, are you going to get that trade? Oh, probably not. No, you're probably, I mean, yeah, you're not going to get, I mean, those, like, Dante Moncrief, Taylor Gabriel, you're not going to get a second for those guys. They're all in that third third range, I guess. And that's why, that's one of the reasons it's such a yawner. Like, uh, there's plenty mm-hmm. of interesting things to talk about the player or the potential of the team. But then when you think about trading, it's like the guy that you want who has him isn't going to want to trade him no. for what you can fairly no. offer. Especially if he's been holding him this whole time. So what can we do here? I tell you what, it's the time of year to think about players that are over or under value for Dynasty. Who's the player, I asked you this a while ago, but is there a new player that you think's overvalued in Dynasty because of right now? So you would be willing to trade them being more valuable and get Traquan Smith plus something back. Or Trey oh, Quinn? Damn, damn. Trey, Trey Quinn? Quinn. Plus something uh, back. Trey Quinn? Uh, <laughs> is there someone else like that we haven't mentioned before that might be a little bit surprised if we take a second to think yeah, about it? Yeah, like, I'm looking. So you're looking for a wide receiver, which immediately makes me think running back. Because <laughs> it's just easier to do cross-positional yeah. trades, I think. Um, Kenyon Drake pops out. Uh, I'd trade Kenyon Drake if I was getting Trey Quinn Plus something. Plus a second. 
Mm, well, that would be tight. But yeah, yeah, I think something like that. That that would be a reach. But if you're looking for Trey Quinn, and but I think I think I mean you're not gonna you're gonna get you're not gonna get uh, Kenny Drake. You're not gonna get a first for Kenny Drake. So I mean he's worth a second, and you know you know I like like I said yeah, Trey Quinn. I think Trey it. Quinn's yeah. his value is gonna be more like a mid to late second. You know. Um, yeah, I, I no, I think that's perfectly fair, and that's about what you're trying to do. You're trying to do something that feels like a stretch, kind of both ways. But if you're valuing Trey Quinn, <laughs> then you're happy because that's the player that you're actually targeting. And, you know, I, like, no one's going to... I Maybe, I mean, send the third. But I think most people are going to say, well, I've seen something, and I'd rather just keep the player. How about uh, Michael Gallup? I like Michael Gallup, David. Um, um, I'm trying to, none of these, none of these guys are really overvalued right now that I'm looking at. I'm in like, how about Jared Cook? He's about, he's going to turn back into a pumpkin, right? I don't know. He's got another another good week this week. Um, yeah, I know. It's a great, he's only got to throw to in that offense. I mean, I like Jared Cook. Um, if, but if you're not competing, there's no real use for him. I mean, you might as well trade him straight up for Trey Quinn at this point. Um, I think Trey Quinn's someone you could get with a tight end where they're rep- more replaceable, but there are some name, there's still some tight ends who have name value that might drop off or are dropping off like that. But yeah, that's I know. That's in- thought it was that's interesting. interesting for sure. You know, I think it's when you do cross uh, positions, I think it makes it does make a lot more sense because generally you're not just doing wide receiver for wide receiver. Um. Those players are like in the nineties, though, in terms of yeah, ADP. Yeah, yeah, that's I the think crazy I was seeing thing. Like the one hundreds or so. It's it's and, it's funny yeah. the the cluster from like a hundred to two hundred. There's not a right. lot separating a lot of these guys. You know, it's it's almost like this gigantic tier. I mean, obviously there's tiers between there, but right, it's just a lot of. I mean, these guys could rise and fall by a hundred spots. That's what I'd be looking to do. If I, if I wanted to get Trey Quinn right now where his value's jumped up, I wouldn't be offering thirds for him because no one's going to do it. I wouldn't do it. But um, if you look in that tier of players that could go up, could go down, but you're not you're not a believer in, preferably. Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, yeah. Um, someone like that. You should expect more than Trey Quinn back. Um, but that's probably the type of trade you, you know, have. You know what I offered right before the show, actually, and it, it kind of broke my heart? We need um, a drop. And you're not going to like this at all. We need a drop. Um, and now we go to Jake's trade corner. <laughs> uh, I offered Randall Cobb in a fourth for Trey Quinn. Just because I, I just... I hate uh, you. I know. I Listen, you. I hate myself. I, I think both of us are probably the biggest Randall Cobb apologists out there. So we're ending the show on with the same uh, emotion and feeling we started it. Kind of a... It's nearly over kind of a sensation. <laughs> Um, we're sad about that. That's that's the truth. Um, but we do have the most exciting part of the fantasy season to come. That's playoffs. Um, hope everyone's doing well. Hit us up with questions on uh, start sit or, I guess trade. Are some leagues still got a trade window? Yeah, I think I think several leagues don't. Uh, the trade line doesn't hit until right before week thirteen. Um, that's our that's our wrap on Trey Quinn. I think he is someone that I'm interested in going out and getting. If I can find someone on my roster like that, that does have more value, genuinely does have more value, but I'm maybe lower on, I wouldn't mind taking the shot at 
maybe the Jameson Crowder uh, replacement, better Jameson Crowder replacement. But in all honesty, if, I'm probably targeting Jordan Reed first, then Jameson Crowder, then Trey Quinn. Not an overall <laughs> endorsement, but I think that's where we're ending up. Um, so I hope you found some of it entertaining or at least interesting if not overall useful thanks for joining us here at the crossroads I've had fun like I always do here with Jake Anderson at Jake Anderson FF and I will see you again next week later you're at the dynasty crossroads that film and analytics create Crossroads that film and analytics create Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape It's the dynasty crossroads where Listen, I hate myself I'm not very confrontational, Jake Trey Quinn, damn it <laughs> There may not be consensus but Trey Quinn. <laughs> Damn, Trey Quinn. I I'm trying not to jake this up too bad.